0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowitch Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. Thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Um, We've got a really good show today, Faisal. Um, Lots of topics to cover. We're going to talk a little bit about ways to balance the caring for your loved ones and your career. That's especially important if you've got aging parents, uh, perhaps a spouse, maybe that needs a little help before you retire. We wanna talk a little bit about sacrificing your retirement. This is an increasingly bigger problem. Can you, or should you sacrifice your retirement for the younger generation uh, to support the kids? You know, um, how do you do that and maintain, or at the same time maintain preserving your own retirement? That can sometimes be a very difficult balance. Want to chat a little bit about how to figure out what the right age to retire is for you? Should you retire just because you're 65, or because your spouse wants you to? Well, let's have a let's have a chat about that. Uh, but first of all, uh, Faisal, uh, taboo topics. There's a very cool um, survey done.
1: Yeah,
0: yep. uh, it's called Awkward Silence a Survey, and it talks about the things we don't want to talk about. And we're going to do that today. Uh-oh. So if you're driving in your car, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about the things that are going to make you uncomfortable. Um, the question is, what are those things, generally speaking? We've got a terrific guest here to help us understand those awkward silences and what causes them. We've got Laurie Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada, uh, with us today. Laurie, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you so much.
0: Okay, so let's, um, let's talk about this. Uh, you've recently conducted a survey, um, the Awkward Silences Survey. It's an Angus Reid poll, 1,500 Canadians. Tell us, what did you find? What are, most, what are people most uncomfortable talking about?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. What we thought we'd find, of course, was that people are uncomfortable talking about, you know, the, the obvious things like sex, politics, religion, and uh, those types of issues. But yep. what we really wanted to find out, where, where finances fit into all this. And what we found is that people are almost as uncomfortable talking about their finances as they are talking about religion, politics, or sex. And yeah. so it certainly says that, you know, this is still a taboo subject.
0: That's interesting. Um... Well, maybe not. I mean, we're, we're in the business, phase, so it's not it's certainly not yeah, a job do- I think we talk about it too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's easy for us, but uh, I guess I'm not surprised by the fact. Now, um, let's talk about finances for just a second. Uh, was there one aspect of the finances? Is it is it talking about finances with your partner or is it with your kids? Was there any, you know, break it down for us if you can.
2: Well. Surprisingly, the the number one was talking about debt and talking about bankruptcy. 31% of, of individuals over the age of 55, for example, are very uncomfortable talking about that. And, you know... Only 5% are uncomfortable talking about mortgages or balances on their mortgage, probably because a lot of seniors don't have a mortgage. Yeah. But the fact that there's still 5% tells you that a lot of people are going into perhaps their retirement uh, with a mortgage outstanding still. So, you know, it's not talking about with their spouse. It's talking with other people about yeah. debt, about bankruptcy. It's kind of one of those hidden, you know, sort of secrets that people are carrying around. This
1: is so true because I we, we met with... Um I met with a couple of our clients and um, they were surprised to hear that what the situation from a from a financial perspective, the average Canadian that's retired looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're when you think, you know, you have, you know two million three million dollars you're like oh I don't have a lot of money yeah you do <laughs> yeah, yeah no. well, you, do. you got
2: a ton of money if you've got two to three million dollars considering what the average uh, senior sitting on right
1: now <laughs> correct and they don't know that like some of these people don't realize where they sit in that they're in the top ten percent of this of this nation and they right. don't realize that but when you start talking about have you have you you know they, they speak with their friends and their friends are doing things and they, they believe their friends have more money Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when they mm-hmm. start having the conversation of, how much debt do you have? Oh, we don't talk about that. Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know, and what we find here at Credit Canada is there's more and more seniors coming to see us. And what's happening is they're retiring, thinking that they have enough money and they they get into their retirement and realize they really don't. And so they start accumulating debt, come to Mm -hmm. see us and are trying to get back into the workforce. And after they've retired, it's very, very difficult to get back in. So this is a conversation that we need to talk about because there are so many people that come in and say, I wish I hadn't retired so soon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, then th- that coincides, Lori, quite frankly, with the, you know, when we sit with uh, people who want a second opinion or, um, you know, who've approached us to help them on that, the number one mm-hmm. question that people ask us is, do I have enough? They may not right. express it exactly like that, but
1: at the end of the day, it's, can I do it? Do I have enough money to do this? Right? And they don't find out the impact of, if they didn't sit down with... You know, guys like us and go through a full financial strategy and a plan and so forth. And they kind of just winged it, you know, they say, let's just go for it. They don't realize that it's going to be an impact to them for probably 10 years. Right.
2: Well, this is the thing, and I think that the, the ones that are fortunate are the ones that are going to you or any financial planner and, and working out a strategy, but I think a lot of seniors, uh, Canadian seniors, are not really taking that step. They may have defined pension at work and they might think that, well, you know, I can take an early retirement, so I'll do it, or they may have saved up thinking that, wow, you know, I've got a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, I'm rich, and the reality is is they're nowhere near uh, rich with, that, with just that amount, especially if, you know, the retirement retiring early and they're not curbing their lifestyle or they're retiring with, you know, debt or a mortgage.
0: You know, and there's another interesting aspect, you know, looking at the survey, the family and relationship issues, um, now it didn't rank number one, two or three, but it was certainly uh, high on the list. And, you know, Faisal, that's an interesting one too, because, uh, we, we find that when we're doing, um, conversations about family wishes and intergenerational wealth transfer, like what do you want to do for the kids and the grandkids? Um, have you talked to the kids about this, right? You're putting your will together and you, know, you want to give one, something to one kid and leave somebody else out on another thing. These, these all create problems if they're not talked about, right? So that's fine. You know, that's sort of finance-related, not debt-related, but finance-related. So you add those two things together. Like finances are a, are a big problem.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, it's a, it's a big problem because there's, there's a fear of judgment, yeah. there's a fear of judgment mm-hmm. on my si- I'm going to be judged based upon my net worth, my assets, yeah. my my debt load. Right. Like at the end of the day, you are who you are regardless of your financial situation. I think we get judged based upon some socioeconomic for uh, viewpoint and that's what the fear starts to come from, you know? Lori, can you yeah. speak
0: can you speak to the this notion that we all think that our friends have more money than us and if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses? and we get ourselves into debt problems, like what what can people do about that if they're feeling uncomfortable uh, or or at risk in this area?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting that you you ask that because one of the questions that almost inevitably every single person coming in to see us will say, am I the worst story you've ever heard? They may owe $5,000, they may owe $50,000 every single one of them asks the same thing. You, if I had the worst? Because nobody talks about this, so they don't know where they sit uh, as far as their financial situation goes. They they have nobody to turn to. We're often the first person they've ever talked to or the first place they've ever gone to talk about their money or about their debt. So we are in an environment where people equate wealth, and we see this everywhere. Social media is famous for this, with, with a, a person's personal success in every angle and this is a damaging thing for so many people and this is why it's really hard to open up this conversation and why finances in general unless you say wealth transfer and talking to your children about money and everything that is all so taboo and so what happens is we create generation after generation of people that don't want to talk about this the subject
1: And, and again it comes back to the the conversation of are you secure within yourself to have those conversations. You can, you can have, like, when they sit down with us, you'd be surprised how many people avoid talking about certain things like debt. Oh, for sure. Right. They'll, they'll say, well, this is the value of my house. Right. Here's all my savings. Here's what we're going to do with this money.
3: <laughs> By the way, I've got
1: a mortgage. Why are we whispering on this one? Like, <laughs> like, it's okay you have a mortgage. We understand. Let's, let's move forward from that. I'm not here to right. judge you. Right. I'm here to work but with that's
2: you. The, right. I think that you make a very good point there. Is I think that people are so worried about being judged. Yep. And you know that's exactly what we see in here, too. Because obviously, everyone who comes through our doors generally does have debt. We're not seeing uh, the side that you're seeing where they have some... Some wealth, uh, and they, you know, they've, they're looking at a strategy to retire. We're looking at helping people get a strategy to pay off debt or get out of debt. Right. And, you know, th- their their biggest fear is they often say, "I hope you don't judge me," or "I'm so glad you didn't judge me," because yeah. they've been judging themselves. People are so hard on themselves, and they've been judging themselves for years potentially uh, because of their debt. And and we're trying to say you know stop guilt tripping yourself stop feeling bad about your death situation it can ha- we know it can happen to anybody uh in any and, and there's so many sets of circumstances and yep. you know we want to open up that conversation so you're free to talk about it
0: how does somebody get a hold of you if they're having if they're struggling with this and they they want to try to get a hold of this How how do they contact you
2: Well, our website's creditcanada.com, so it's very easy. And our our phone number is 1-800-267-2272. And, you know, we're we're not-for-profit, so we'll talk to anybody about their financial situation and look for ways to help them solve any problems they have.
0: Laurie, I want to thank you for taking some time with us and uh, bringing some light to these taboo topics and, you know, finances and debt uh, amongst the top.
2: Well, thanks to both of you. It's my pleasure
0: i been joined by Laurie Cabell, CEO of Credit Canada. Um, okay, Faisal, uh, we've got to talk about, you know, debt is, is an issue. Uh, people have in uh, businesses where they've invested in. People just come with a mortgage. People have uh, have accumulated debt because of a renovation or something like that. All of this... Is part of the puzzle, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's it's all part of the planning puzzle, and it uh, we have to figure out if it all works and how it work and, and how it needs to work out to support the lifestyle. We're going to do that at our next uh, seminar, which will be held on Tuesday, July the twenty third. That's seven p.m. at the Four Points by Sheraton Calgary West. We hope that you join us for that. Now stick around for the break. Oh, sorry, I should remind everybody if you want to register for that because the seats do fill up quickly. Give us a call at 966-8400, or you can go to our Uh, website at morethanmoneyradio.ca. Stick around after the break because we're going to be talking about balancing uh, caring for loved ones with your career so that you can succeed in your own retirement. That's going to be after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, let me describe the scenario for you. Okay. Okay. You're working. Okay. Still have uh, a kid or kids at home. Okay. Got a parent. Who's aging and needs help. Check, check, check. It's coming. Wow. That's a full plate.
1: That's a sandwich.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a sandwich. <laughs> um, it's a reality for a lot of people, though, right? So this yeah. this notion of of elder care, our healthcare system's ability to uh, to deal with this aging demographic, uh, all the guilt and emotions we feel around helping taking care of family, all of those things create a really complicated uh, scenario. We've got Liz O'Donnell uh, joining us today. She's the founder of WorkingDaughter.com. She's also the author of working daughter, a guide to caring for your aging parents while earning a living. Now, they—I uh, think the uh, the facts would bear out the case that it is often um, the women who are contributing more in this particular case than the men are. So, having a larger or a disproportionate uh, impact on them at this particular time. However, uh, that's a general statement, Liz. I want to welcome you to the show, and maybe let's start with this scenario that I, I laid out at the top of the uh, the top of the segment. Uh, how accurate am I? How many people are suffering from this? And then we'll get to what the heck are we going to do about it?
4: Yo, you're so accurate. I've been there. Um, there are about 44 million caregiver, family caregivers. Mm-hmm. The number's only going to grow because um, the ARP is predicting a shortage of paid caregivers. And of course, we see 10,000 people turning 65 every day with the aging of the baby boomers. So more and more family members are going to be called on to support our aging population. And as far as how many are in the scenario that you just uh, described, I'd say close to 30 million who are working outside the home. And the average caregiver is indeed um, a woman. And she has a parent over the age of 65. She has a child, at least one child under the age of 18. And she does work.
1: So just for our our listeners, 30 million from the United States, that's where we're getting all of our, our data from. If you were to kind of put a a similar type of percentage yeah. in, uh, in Canada. It's about 10%.
0: Yeah, so-called it 3 million, right? It's a big number. It's a big, And we all know people, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, my brother and I would uh, I would put ourselves in that category. In fact, I put my brother more in that category than me, um, mm-hmm. closer with my mom. My mom has Alzheimer's, uh, Liz, and is in a, uh, a long-term care facility. So I understand personally sort of the, the effect of what this can do. Uh, on both men and women but disproportionately we know that women are struggling uh, with the weight of this more than more than the guys are so tell us a little bit about the issues that that um, you know caring for an elder uh, aside from the obvious like what what's the experience somebody is going to have if you run into this uh, scenario
4: yeah, and I'd be remiss first if I didn't say that the statistics in the U.S. are that of those 44 million, 40% are men. So it's not a huge gap, but it's certainly majority women. Yeah. And I think I saw similar statistics for Canada. Yeah. Um, so we do need to acknowledge the men. I tend to focus on women because I think they have uh, unique scenario that they're facing, to answer your question, which is um, most likely their elder care experience is going to be compounded by their child care. Maybe they already took time off of work. Maybe they're not um, earning what uh, a male might be earning because they took time off at work or for whatever reasons that is, um, you know, they might have been put on the mom track. So they've got this unique experience and they've got this pressure to stay at work because, as I said, the average caregiver is in her late 40s. That's not a great time to step out of work. The prospects mm-hmm. for coming back to work, you know, at, at the age of 50 as a woman, sadly, just aren't good. So what she's facing, she's facing this incredible pull between her children, uh, you know, the family that you chose to have, that you made space to have. Um, so your life is a little bit set up to manage, you know, your, your immediate family. She's facing pressure at work. She might think that she's the only one who's going through this. She's actually not, but it's invisible. Uh, yep. We don't talk a lot about elder care at work. We talk about caring for people who are parents versus caring for people who have parents. And then um, she feels so much guilt over not doing enough for the elder parent, but that misplaced guilt because there just aren't enough structures to support her.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm, I am curious. I have no idea if there's data that supports this um And so if that is your answer, uh, that's acceptable. But, you know, I I think about the conversation uh, my brother and I had recently. Um, And my mom's dementia or Alzheimer's is progressing, obviously. Um, And as it progresses, of course, you face face different things. And so my brother is in a situation now where he is caring for my my mother in a way that, you know, is, is obviously more than what you would expect um, a child-parent relationship to be. And it, it has an impact on them. Emotionally, it has an impact sure. on them. And we talk about this. And, and um, I guess we're in a fortunate position here. I'm getting to my question list. But we're in a fortunate position that my mom and dad um, saved enough. They, they did okay. Um, and so there is money to support my mom and her care. But I said to my brother, I said, you know, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, the, I don't want your experience uh, with mom as she ages to be what you're experiencing right now. We need to bring in some help to the extent that I I said I'm I'm happy if we spend her entire estate making sure she gets proper care, but that you aren't put in a position where emotionally, you know, you're faced with that. Now there's all kinds of emotional challenges and guilt and attached to that. but I'm curious if you know Liz if that um, you know if the, is that part of the solution if money's available, does it get used in that way or are there other complicating factors, particularly with uh, with women that put them in a position where they take on that care, invest the time and the emotional anguish that they have versus perhaps bringing in
4: help? The scenario I see um, a lot most of the time is that there isn't the money for outside okay. care because it is so, so expensive. But the conversation you're having with your brother rings true. I hear this from so many people, and I've been through, I was a dementia caregiver as well. It's it's a whole different level of care because it is so emotional for you. And obviously the person with the dementia. But I, I hear that conversation a lot. Like, look, I'm not looking for inheritance. I would just spend every dime to take care of mom and dad and to take care of myself, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think it's great that you and your brother Mike are talking about, and this comes up all the time, too, is when you become caregiver to your parents, especially when there's such an emotional angle to it, how do you have the time to be their child? And you, yeah. you want to continue to be their adult child, not just be the person who's scheduling appointments and checking meds and, yep. you know, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And you can see the, uh, I see the anger. and We talk it openly about it, uh, which is really good because I think there would be a lot of people maybe that keep that inside and that's a destructive, uh, that'd be a destructive behavior, but it's I'm just gonna say it's an interesting journey. Uh, I'm not sure maybe interesting describes it properly because it, it, there's a whole bunch of complexities, emotional, financial, everything else wrapped up in it, Faisal you. Had- yeah,
1: we've got we've got a couple minutes left, Liz. Um, just there are people that are listening to the show right now uh, will have to make the decision to take care of their parents or parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to have a conversation with their employer. Um, and then they have to figure out, um, you know, what do they have to do? What's their real roles and responsibilities as as their parent ages and goes through these types of issues? So, Liz, maybe you can give us some ideas or some tips on what, A, what can we, what, how, what kind of conversation, how do we handle the conversation with our employer? And number two, um, you know, what in the situation, uh, give us some tips on how, how they can handle it.
4: I think you said the most important thing already. You said there are people who are going to make the decision, and that is key. There's research that shows people who feel like they've chosen caregiving as opposed to, you know, forced into caregiving or backed into a corner, whatever it might be, tend to go through the experience in a much more healthy way. So I think that's the number one thing, acceptance and saying, I choose this. It's going to be hard, but this is what I'm going to do. From the employer perspective, what I counsel people is to read the environment. Ideally, you're going to talk to your employer and say, look, I have this going on at home how can we make sure that I'm always backed up so that I never leave work clients who have, you know, coworkers in a lurch. So, you know, can we have a CC on every email I sent to a client? I'm going to continue. I'm going to make sure I save things, not just to my hard drive, but to the server, that sort of thing. Um, you know, understand that in the middle of this meeting, I have my phone out for a reason because the nursing home might call. I'll step out. I'll be discreet. But, I, you know, I will have to take this call. I think if we're in a situation where we can say all of those things, then we're so much better off. But sometimes there is a stigma attached to flexibility and caregiving. So I wouldn't say that that's a blanket advice for everybody. Read the scenario and, and, and you know, do your best to determine what the feedback is going to be.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's um, th- that's good advice. It's a complicated situation. We can't do it justice in 10 minutes. But, uh, Liz, I want to thank you for joining us and raising awareness. We have to continue to have this conversation because there are s- just so many families that are currently impacted by this and will continue to be impacted. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. Been joined by Liz O'Donnell. She's the founder of WorkingDaughter.com and author of Working Daughter, A Guide to Caring for Aging Parents While Earning a Living. Now, we're going to be talking about the journey of retirement. In in many cases, many families are touched by the health care bucket. And how do we provide, protect, ensure a quality of care, quality of lifestyle all through that journey? And we're going to discuss that journey on Tuesday, July the 23rd. Our next seminar will be at 7 p.m. That's at the Four Points by Sheraton, Calgary West. Join us for that by giving us a call at 966 8400 or on our website at morethemoneyradio.ca. Stick around after the break we'll be talking about helping the younger generation while also still preserving your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, I've got a terrific guest for this next segment um, because we got to address an issue that continues to get press and headlines because it's a real issue, right? Oh, yeah. And the question <laughs> is, is are you know, is your retirement being affected? By helping your adult children, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Kelly Keene's going to join us. She's a regular and contributing uh, guest to the show. She's a consumer advocate for FB Canada. Uh, Kelly, welcome back to the show.
5: Dave and Faisal, thanks for having me.
0: So can we start at a very high level with this? Just walk us through a little bit about what you're finding, what the research is telling us about Canadians' retirements being affected by their adult children
5: hmm So this is a follow-up study that we did a couple of years ago, and we, mm-hmm. we actually talked about this on your show. Yep. Um, and so the, the survey was done by FP Canada and looked at um, parents with children under the age of 18 and parents with children over the age of 18, and, and kind of similar results, but a, a, little, a little different. So for those with kids under 18, a whopping 82% said that they intended on helping out with their uh, children's post-secondary education costs. Now, how that's affecting parents is because of that, those parents surveyed are saying uh, nearly 50% said that they would have to delay retirement, and uh, just over 40% were saying they'd have to postpone paying off debt. And for those with kids over 18, two-thirds of them were helping out their children with post-secondary education costs. So, You know, as if parents don't have enough on their plate, uh, this is another strain for them. And it just begs the larger question, how much do you know, how much should parents help out their kids and and can they and and how are they going to do it if, if they're going to do it?
0: That's a tough question, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's so many things. There's a financial component to it. There's an emotional and a parenting component Guilt. to it. Guilt. <laughs> Guilt. I mean, it's, it, this is, this is a, a big one. Now, it wasn't just, uh, if memory serves me correct, from the last time we talked, it's not, certainly not just um, uh, education requirements. Parents are also yeah, looking at helping in other areas. Yeah, like
1: the home and stuff like right, that, down right? down
0: payments and so on and so forth. So um, speaking to those more you know over 18 adult children where did where did we find the uh, the help was going there
5: yeah and i mean a lot of this the last survey we talked about we did look at more this one yeah. we really wanted to narrow in on the education part but what yeah. was interesting too from this survey was that uh, a number of parents reporting that because they had to help their children out or their children were also going to be coming out with student loan debt that it was going to have them delaying milestones like buying a home like even getting out of the house correct what was really interesting too about this and i think this is another big big takeaway from the survey is two-thirds of parents had no idea what options there were when it came to financing their children's education. And StatsCan came out with a report recently, too, that half of Canadians are not taking advantage of, for example, the savings grant that you get within the RESP, the Registered Education Savings Plan. Correct. So, you know, Fazle, you were saying guilt and, and, Dave, you know, this overwhelming issue. And then I think you, you couple all that together and parents don't even know where to start to help pay for this uh, or what, what money, free money, they're actually leaving on the table.
1: You know, I, it, it's it's sometimes we find that clients of ours um, have the emotional <clears> reaction, <throat> and they want the numbers to figure themselves out. So, for example, in a in a conversation I had this week with a client, they said, "Yep, I want to retire at sixty two. Everything's going great. We've got the numbers that we're going to work through. By the way, I want to buy right. my son his home." Right. And I said, "Buy is in like outright?" "Oh, yeah." Okay, tell me a bit more about it because that's going to impact your retirement. So right. tell me a bit more. Um, well, I think it's only right that we should pay for their their home. Like, sh-
3: were they looking to adopt? Yeah, I already had adoption papers written
1: up <laughs> and, and, and said, buy me my home too. But <laughs> but the, and I, I'm like I'm looking at them, Kelly, and I'm saying, you do understand this is going to impact your retirement. Like, you're, you're not going to have the lifestyle you want and buy a home. Have you thought of down payment? Like, have you thought of the different options that are available? Like, maybe they delayed their purchasing of a home by five years, and that was a no. You how dare you? How dare I ask to delay a purchase of a of a home for by five years? Right. Was was the response? Right. So, Kelly, you know, like, are we hearing more and more Canadians feeling the pressure to provide for their kids, their adult children, in their retirement?
5: Yeah, there's so much there to unpack. Um, I certainly hear that conversation a lot more in Vancouver and Toronto. I, I mean, in Alberta, too. But it's, it's kind of like, well, we did well as, as baby boomers. We have all this equity in our home, and we owe it. You know, it's so hard for kids coming out today. They've got all the student loan debt coming into huge uh, housing prices in the market, and, and we ought to help them out. And you're right, underscores the importance of sitting down with gentlemen like you, seeing a certified financial planner, having a financial plan, because people aren't going in with their eyes wide open. And, and your case is very interesting, but what I'm seeing is parents – um, you know, helping out their kids without that plan, and they're just getting a line of credit or they're uh, mm-hmm. doing a reverse mortgage, or God forbid, they're cashing in RSPs while they're working, paying the tax on it, not even understanding the implications of all of those major decisions. Um, and yeah, it's I, and then here's the other part of that that conversation is what are what's the message to your children? Uh-huh. If you're fully, and I, I i'm I'm just throwing the question out there. if you're fully paying for their education, if you're buying them a home, uh, you know when we came out with this survey a couple of years ago, there was a lot of heated conversations about does it you know, does a child appreciate their education more? Maybe choose. Um, you know, a topic of study that's more likely to get them a job when they get out if they had some skin in the game, you know. Yep. Uh, also, if you're buying that home for your kid or even just the down payment, the thinking that home ownership is wonderful, and it is. I, I love home ownership, but but it, does your adult child have a financial plan? Are you setting them up for failure by getting them into that home that they can't maintain, pay the mo- property taxes? All that type of stuff. So I think people really need to slow down and and make sure that they have the fundamentals, make sure that they've crunched the numbers. Let the numbers, like you said, Fasel, let the numbers tell you the story, not the other way around. You yeah. can't unfortunately it's, force them.
1: It's interesting how you said that I guess it also comes down to priorities or or values. And I'll and I'll give you the example. We just brought talked about education and home purchase. I would be a hundred percent comfortable delaying my retirement and paying for my kids post-secondary education versus delaying my retirement or reducing my lifestyle so they can buy a home. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I value the things differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. So that, that's an interesting point, and I, th- I think that's maybe at the crux of it. I, we, I had a conversation with a client um, whose son uh, couldn't qualify for a mortgage, not not because didn't have the necessary money, uh, but he couldn't get bank financing because of a bad credit. And it was, should we l- lend them the money? And I said, well, the bank's not going to lend him the money because he's not going to pay it back. Are you prepared to write it off? And here's the financial implication. Kelly, to your point, Mm -hmm. let's run the numbers. The the math won't lie to us. Here is the implication of it. So if we run under the assumption it's not coming back, right? Mm -hmm. are you prepared for that? And it it was a tough one, right? You could see in their face. And and sometimes, (laughs)
1: Dave, giving to your child is not a financial thing. You can co-sign that. Now your credit rating is attached to that. Right. If you're going to give up your part of your retirement for him, you you can give up part of your credit rating for him too. Yeah, different. So you don't approaches. have to have a financial impact. And if God forbid something has to happen, he can't make his payments, you can think of a bailout. Right. Right. And you don't have like it's 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 interesting.
0: Yeah, Kelly, what uh, we, we're going to have to wrap this up fairly quickly, but um, give us some advice. So, uh, what, yeah. you know, what 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 would you say? What suggestions do you have to kind of help reduce the effect of these expenses from, uh, p- uh, you know, potentially giving to adult children.
5: Well, I think everything we talked about underscores the importance of, uh, you know, somebody having a pro on their side. And when you don't have somebody to walk through these important conversations, have you see your future self at 80 <laughs> or at 70 and not being able to retire or get into that retirement residence home when you need it because the funds are depleted and the kids aren't going to be there to help you or or just to give them permission to say that, you know, this is, this is a pretty big gift, or, or to, you know, if you do this, what happens over here? I, Canadians so often are walking through things on their own, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even dream of trying to get in shape without my nutritionist and my personal trainer and everything else. I, I don't know why everyone um, still feels that they can navigate these very complex conversations and scenarios and projections all on their own.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice. We'll have to leave it there, Kelly. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks, gentlemen. I've uh, been joined by Kelly Keene, consumer advocate for FP Canada. We're going to talk about all of these elements, the four buckets, how to put the whole thing together on Tuesday, July 23rd. That's our next seminar date. Uh, 7 p.m. We're going to host this one at the Four Points by Sheraton in Calgary West. And if you'd like to register for that, and seats do uh, fill up quickly these days, give us a call at 966 8400, or you can register on our website at morethemoneyradio.ca. Now, don't go away. Because after the break, we'll be chatting about how to choose the right time for your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on C, uh, 770 CHQR and more than money. Um, uh, good show today. I want to talk a little bit about um, a chat room question that was asked yep. that I think is really cool. Probably more complex than people think about. It. Here's the question: What's the right age to retire?
1: Dun dun dun. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. It's inchi- I work with you, David. It's yeah. tomorrow. It's always
0: tomorrow. You're not going anywhere. Uh, listen, I think it's a cool question because it sounds like a simple question.
1: And it was, it was meant to be a simple question. It's, it's not a simple uh, answer. You're, you're on these Facebook groups, yeah. and there are a whole bunch of retirees from North America chatting with each other, sharing insight, um, sharing their experiences, and the question pops up and says, uh, what's <laughs> the right age to retire? And the responses... Th- now sixty five. As soon as you can, talk to your advisor. <laughs> like, you know, when your wife lets you. Like these are all the different answers that came out from that question. I remember, yeah. And so, I, that's why I wanted to have this chat with you today because we get that in our practice. Right. You know, when when, when can I retire? When when's the right time? And they come from a financial angle when they speak to you night initially. Right. Um. But it's more than money. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right? right? So so how would you have answered that? You're on you're on the Facebook. This is a, it's a tool called Facebook, Dave. And when you're on it- What's I that? Know, I know. Exactly. You're learning. <laughs> you're learning. Right? You, t- you flip over on your phone. <laughs> and then when you get to there, to the, the, uh, to Facebook, there's a group. And the question comes out, how would you respond? To when should you retire? Yeah. <laughs> what can I? <laughs> I don't know what I'd say to that,
0: right? Because how many people are in this chat group? Thousands of people. Correct. Every one of their situations is different.
1: Correct. I'd say when you're ready. Okay, so that's a great answer. Now how do we determine when you're ready? Yeah. Okay. Now that that's so, this is the complexity. So right? there was one one individual out of Massachusetts who said, Yeah, when you're ready, but here are some of the things you need to consider. First, do a financial check. Right. Make sure you have enough money in a conservative fashion to live for the rest of your life so you can live off of that. Mm-hmm. Then the second point that I mentioned was make sure you've you've really focused on the things you're going to do so you know what you're transitioning to. And the third one was go get your health checked out.
0: Yeah. So that is not the order that I would put those things in. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. It would be what are you retiring to? In fact, it would be before that. It's what's your definition of retirement? There we go. I like that one. Okay, I like because that. Uh, I think we skip too, too fast into the, into the conclusion that retirement means you can't work anymore, right? I don't think, it, at my, I'm 51, um, so I'm not, I'm not retiring anytime soon. Uh, but if you ask me today, my number one, uh, like work will always be part of what I do because I'm intellectually engaged. I like the people that I work with. Most of the time, Faisal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I certainly love the client engagements, right, and the stories, and working, and helping people. Yeah. So I'm not sure that for me, certainly at this age, <laughs> it, uh, retirement would be defined as not working. Okay. Okay. So that's I, I would put when you're ready, right? But but the work is the work for me is around what is it that I want to be doing. So I would be taking a close look at the things in my life that are creating is a stress or discomfort or dissatisfaction and Mm -hmm. i would be i would be trying to isolate what those things are and see if there's a way to minimize that and maximize doing the things that i enjoy doing
1: yeah because we we've come across many people who said to us dave i'm done right i'm just exhausted right i don't enjoy what i'm doing uh i'm out right now make it work for me right and you still ask that question okay so what are you retiring to right uh, anything but where I was <laughs> is yeah. the answer. Yeah. So right?
0: we, we've got a client, I refer to this often uh, with his permission, is if I use the word retirement with him and he has within the last year uh, left a, a position that he had been in for a very long time. Yeah. Okay, so most people would say you're retired. I, I made the mistake of using the word retired with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, no, he said, you can't use that word with me. This is just life 3.0, right? So he started his career in one area moved into another and did re really was super successful at it he's now since left that still a, a young man now it's what's next it's the, what's next on the journey what's he calls three, it
1: life 3.0 3.0 yeah. right
0: and there might be a four and there might be a five who knows right but what he said is the for him there's a negative connotation of the word retirement I'm I'm a young guy I've got lots to contribute and offer now I just want to you know he's got t- trust me he's probably busier now than he was when he was uh, he was the senior guy at that uh, the company he was with yeah but it's because he's thought about what he's moving to right correct and so i think that when we ask that question uh what's the right age to retire i don't think it has anything to do with age i think it has everything to do with what you want to be doing when you can be doing it financial freedom is a part of it okay the math is important but it's it should start well before that in my opinion you, you have to figure out what that means yeah
1: and i think that's we have seen many many multi-millionaires mm-hmm. Walk away from their careers, Mm -hmm. from their businesses, Mm -hmm. go into the world of quote-unquote retirement Mm -hmm. and are depressed. Mm -hmm. We have seen multimillionaires leave their careers by choice Mm -hmm. to fulfill other things in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it comes back now to happiness.
0: But we've also seen people, multimillionaire or not, leave because of age. Because they think uh, it's just it's it's it's, time. it's the time it's the right age. Yeah. What 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 age is that? Why?
1: So we yeah. have seen that, and I think that's partly because there's been a a notion on. And if you think about it, we had this um, you know freedom 55. Then it became you know at 65 you get your Canadian pension plan and your old age. They don't even thought, talk about. it. They don't even call it seniors benefit they call it old age security Mm -hmm. at 65 and if you're lucky you can push it to 70 that's when you should get really old age security (laughs) that's what our society has pushed on people that's fair it's good and so you're not old if you're 65 you're not old if you're 70 you're old when you choose to be old yeah yeah and so when it comes down to it, it has to be with regards to happiness yeah fulfillment right engagement right and if you can't do that why why walk away from something
0: well, y- yeah, right? But like, yeah. What yeah, exactly. I think we're we're saying the the same thing and it's um uh, you know the it, it seems obvious. I mean, when we talk about this stuff I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, the listeners, you know, they're going, this is obvious stuff. But it's not obvious because we see it. We see it every single day. Yeah. Right? And um I'm not suggesting you have to have a minute by minute schedule of what you're going to be moving to, but but we've made this comment on the show over the years plenty of times. Everybody that we ever talk to knows what they're retiring from. But very few have a clear idea
1: of what they're retiring to. And that's why we named this show More Than Money. Right. Because it goes beyond the cash. Right. Right. And yes, if you know what you're retiring to, you need to do a financial analysis. Yes. If you don't know, but you want to walk away, which is okay, mm-hmm. you need to do a financial analysis.
0: I did a, um, a maybe a slight twist on what we're talking about. It was I met with um, actually a couple of different clients this week, and it was in the legacy bucket. Okay, okay. So the legacy bucket is where we talk about um, what happens to the assets at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Both mom and dad are gone. What's the gift that you're going to leave to who, and how are they going to receive it? Yep. Right. And it's an interesting discovery process when I sit with people like that because it's a narrative. Tell me about your family. Right. Tell me about. This is a gift. Whatever is left at the end of the day, let's look at the financial plan. This, you know, we think there's going to be
1: this much X dollars at
0: the end left when, at the end of when the you're day.
1: Pushing daisies up. That's how much, money right? Is left. Yep. How, how do you want
0: your kids to receive this? Are there charities? Are there nieces and nephews? And uh, it, that right there, that question. Well, um, um, I don't know. I just want to split it fifty-fifty. Why? Because uh, I'm supposed to. Okay. Well, that might be okay. Because that's that fair. It's fair. That might be right. Yeah. I know you're just going to jump, just put a big bag of money on the, you know, on their table at 25 years old if something were to happen to you right now. And what would they do with that? Right. So I think about the, the questions we we ask. If you go below the surface, right? At what age do I retire? How do I want the gift? Re, you know, how do you want the assets split up? That's a different question than what's the gift that you want to leave
1: behind. And when you talk about some of the clients that I met with this week, we were talking about health. What kind of quality of care? It's not just, I want long-term care. Right. What kind of quality of care do you want? Right. And that has a financial impact, but it also has an emotional impact. Right. Those who've seen their parents go through a long-term care facility that didn't have what they deem to be the right type of service or care for their parent, they're going to have a different view than someone who's never had a parent in a long-term care facility and doesn't really think about it. Right. Right. So this is where the, the why needs to be answered. When do you – I want to retire. Why? I want to pass money on to my kids. Why? I want a long-term care facility that has a certain type of service. Why? Yeah. And, and and although that can be very um, – you can put your guard up when you're asked why right. to answer openly and freely. But ask that of yourself, yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Let's continue this conversation um, at our seminar. We do this every single month. We're going to educate you about all the right questions to ask.
1: Yeah. How to profit and protect, how to bulletproof your retirement so you can enjoy it.
0: That's on Tuesday, July 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Four Points by Sheridan, Calgary West.
1: So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: All right. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We'll see you next week.